Okay, if you uh, were here last week, you'll know this, just a big uh, introduction. We've started a new series called The Happy Life, and over these next today and the next two weeks, there's a series of four, we're looking at an attempt to find the source of happiness and real joy, and we're trying to look at this subject uh, from the point of view of not something that's shallow or temporary or glib, you just get a nice kind of feeling, but actually real happiness and real joy, which is real whatever else is going on in your life. Real fulfillment, real contentment, a real sense that day by day I'm knowing a joy and a genuine happiness that's not conjured up from myself, but is given to me by God. And James touched on this last week, and no, no doubt others will refer to it. We live in a world that's desperately looking for joy. We live in a world that's desperately looking for happiness. And as we heard last week, unfortunately, many people in the world today have moments of happiness and joy, but it's very temporal. It's very passing. It's not something that lasts. For us as Christians... Therefore, the way that we find joy and the way that we find happiness is going to be different from the temporary things that the world looks at. In fact, these four Sundays are rather strange to most people. You wouldn't have thought, as James was speaking last week, that he was saying to us, you don't get joy from following your heart. Why is that strange? Well, everybody says it. Follow your heart, whatever you want. Just believe in yourself. It'll all be right in the end, you know. It's kind of like not true, because the heart is very up and down and full of emotion. So we were hearing last week that you won't find joy through emotions. You may have joy that's emotional as a result of something else, but it's not an end in itself. Also, we found out, as we heard last week, that real joy comes from following God's heart. So in other words, facts, not feelings, truth not some passing sort of fad. And so I found last week very challenging. I don't know about you. I don't know if you did anything about what you heard last week. I sat there thinking, I have to get the word of God into my life on a daily basis. And I just started this week from Monday onwards, writing down in a new book that I'd been given for Christmas, (laughs) which is empty, (laughs) and is now getting filled with just not reading God's word, but what are you saying to me? And on Friday, my wife announced to me, she said, I've just had a really fantastic week. I said, why? I felt really I should get a book out and start writing down the things that God says to me. I said, I'm four days ahead of you. <laughs> but this is typical of, you shouldn't just listen to sermons. Really need to try and respond. So if I want joy and happiness in my life, I need to really live by the word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Today we're going to look at another strange source of joy that not many people in our world would even think about. And in Philippians chapter 3, just before we read some verses, just to give you a bit of a background, Paul is in Rome and he's in prison. And he's writing to the church at Philippi. Actually, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians in a few weeks' time. But I'm going to centre on just a few verses here today. Um, So Paul's in prison. And he's writing to people about what he's like, what he's feeling, what's happening to him. I guess being in prison is not a very good situation to be in. His present situation is that he's now in 
this prison cell. Um, not good circumstances. Now, I've never been, I've been to prison, but I've never stayed in prison. And I can only imagine that one of the characteristics is you have a lot of time to think about a lot of things. And uh, may, I don't know, maybe these days you get, you know, Sky TV in your prison cell, but Paul did not have that. So he probably didn't have anything in his cell. He, he just was there writing this letter. His circumstances are not good, and I'm guessing he's got a lot of time to think. And what we do know in Philippians 3 is he thinks about his past, and he thinks about his present, and, and he comes to some conclusions about his future. So as we'll see in a moment, he thinks about his past, he's considering his present situation, but the reality is in Philippians 3 we see that he is totally overwhelmed and flooded by his future. So when he sits there, he's thinking, my past is not important, my present situation is not one I would choose, but that's not really important. What's really important is about what is going to come. And the more Paul thinks about what the future holds, the more he's flooded with joy. Please listen carefully to this, if you don't hear anything else. I really believe that too many Christians... Their lives are shaped by their past. And that does not give you joy. Or, many Christians' lives are shaped by their present circumstances. And they're overwhelmed by their circumstances. So obviously they don't have joy. So there are many Christians who are shaped by their past. It affects them and defines them, and it shouldn't. They're overwhelmed by their present, whereas the reality is this. It's your future that should shape you, not your past or your present circumstances. And in a nutshell, that's what Paul comes to a conclusion in a circumstance which is probably worse than many of us who are here today. So he looks at his past, he looks at his present, he looks at his future. Let's look at verse 4, shall we, of Philippians chapter 3. And he's looking back, he's considering his life. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And he's still thinking about his past, listen. And he says, I count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So the Apostle Paul, when he thinks back over his past, he sees some good things that have happened in his past, some things he could be proud of that happened in his past. He sees some things he's not proud of in his past. You might have noticed it there, a persecutor of the church. As Paul considers his past, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He kept the law. He was blameless 
But you know what? He killed Christians. He persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. So he looks back at his past, and it's kind of like a mixed bag, just like you would if you look back on your past. Some good things, some not so good things. But he comes to the conclusion of this. Whatever has happened in the past compared to what is going to happen in my future, I summarize the whole lot and say, it's rubbish. It really doesn't hold up. And it's certainly not by looking back that I'm going to find the source of happiness. Why live in the past when you've got a better future? This word is about you and I knowing happiness and joy because of the future that God has promised for you and me. That is the source of joy. And when we get that, it overwhelms our present circumstances and it causes us to say as we look back on our past our past is no longer relevant do you know what your past is it's past that's profound isn't it say to your neighbor my past is past can you do that please my past is past that's a definition of what it means there's something which is past it is not the source of happiness and contentment and fulfillment as you look back. In fact, looking back on your past can do the opposite, can actually make you even feel unhappy. Let me give you two quick examples. When people look back on their past, these are two things that happen to people, and it happens to Christians all the time. First of all, they get nostalgic. See, the truth is, some of you have got a better past than you are presently experiencing. Some of you look back on the golden days. Some of you look back on the good old days. Some of you can remember days when life was better than it seems to be at the present. And this is what happens to people. They can start to live in the past. Why do people live in the past? Because the past days were more fruitful than they are today. And so you become sentimental. You become nostalgic. You remember those days. Try this first, little verse that leaps out in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. Say not, why were the former, or maybe the old days, better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. What does that mean? Well, basically, it's a waste of time. That's why it's not wise to ask the question, why were the former days, the old days, better than these? The thing about those former days is they're former days. And the weird thing is you can't win them back again. And so becoming nostalgic about the past doesn't actually, you can't have those days back. And do you know what? Even if they were better than they are at the moment, these days are more important than those days. And some Christians' whole lives are shaped by memories of the past. And the reason it doesn't give you joy is you, com- you start to get into comparison between those days and these days. I remember when there was a move of the Spirit. I remember when it was really powerful. Now, all the time you live in that world, you get nostalgic for those days and those memories, and you start to compare with the days, nothing like those days. Boy, have you been alive in those days? Well, I wasn't alive in those days. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't. It doesn't bring you to a place of joy and happiness or fulfillment. Is there any merit at all at remembering the past? Well, yes, there is one. There's one good reason to remember the past. Do you know what it is? We touched on it a little bit in our worship. It reminds you of the faithfulness 
of God. So Psalm 103, verse 2, before any of you think I'm a heretic because I'm saying don't worry about the past, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. It's good to look back and remember the benefits that the Lord's given. It's good to look back on the faithfulness of God. Why? Because if he was faithful in the past, then he's going to be faithful in the present. He doesn't change. So he's always going to be faithful in the future. So that's a really good memory. But you know what's different about this memory? It's not in the past. Because God is always the same. Have you got it? I hope this isn't too deep. So because I remember something that God was and is and will be, if God was faithful then, that's a good memory because I don't live in the past. I just remind myself that he's the same God today and that he will be the same God in the future. Again, it was read out, Psalm 23. We will look back on our past in a good way and say, surely goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our lives. But I have to say that apart from that way of looking back, almost every other looking back moment, as Paul did for a moment in this passage, that produces nostalgia or sentiment and disappointment is not healthy. You can't live in the past. You have to live in the present, and as we'll see in a moment, and the present that's shaped by the future and not the past. This is really important because there are people sitting in this room right now who can't move forward into their future because they're still living in the good old days. They're still living with a desire to kind of go back there. We just don't do nostalgia in this church very well or sentiment very well. You may have noticed that. There's a reason because we're really, really walking forward to what's coming next. Do you know, many of you might not know this, but I'm in danger of getting nostalgic and I won't. I began leading this church 40 years ago this Sunday. That's a long time ago. There are many of you that weren't even born at that time. Don't applaud. I'm not asking for applause. Oh, oh, go, go on. No, 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 don't. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. Why is this the first time that you may have known that? Because to be honest with you, there's been ups and downs and good times and bad times, but I'm kind of thinking about Brussels next Sunday. I'm thinking about 2018. I'm thinking about the week of prayer. Why? Because we can't live in the past. We can only live in the wonderful future. So nostalgia is one example of where living in the past doesn't give you an awful lot. Here's a second one, regrets. I guess when I die, I'll have a few regrets. My aim for the rest of my life is to minimize them as much as possible. I might, be, I might have a few. How tragic it is to come to the end of your life and look back and have a life that's actually full of regrets. If your past dominates you because you think back and it's full of regrets, it traps you. It literally traps you in your past because if you've got regrets, you can't move forward. Because you're always thinking, I should have done something about the thing that I now regret. There's no joy in your past living in that particular environment. Have you ever met if only Christians? There's an awful lot of them around. I kind of bump into them all the time. It's kind of like this. If, if only we had moved house. If only we'd done that. We didn't. We hesitated. We, we should have done. If, if only I'd gone forward 
when that appeal was made. I felt I should have done, and I now really regret that I didn't. If only I'd gone forward. If only I'd given the amount of money that I thought I should have given. And then I hesitated and I didn't. If only I'd given more. If only I'd raised my children differently to the way that I did. If only I had a different job. If only I had a different career. If only I had had different parents. That would have shaped me so differently. If, you're, if your parents sit next to you, just don't look at them right now. <laughs> if only... I ha, I've met Christians like this. If only I'd been born into a different country. If only I'd had a different education. If only I belonged to a different church rather than new community. If only I had got married. If only I hadn't got married. <laughs> it's kind of like wherever you go, <coughs> there's someone who's got regret about something. Now, I've thought about this quite a lot over the years. And this isn't very pastoral, but here it comes. Well, you didn't. <laughs> Think about that. Well, you didn't move house. You didn't give more money. You didn't have better parents or different parents. You, you didn't do the, those things. Uh, a friend of mine once said to me, do you know what? I so regret that thing that happened in my life. He said, I really blew it. And he kept saying that to me. And I was doing the nice pastoral thing and saying, you know, things, oh, no, no, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. And I'm sure the Lord understood. And all things work together for good. And all those things Christians come out with, you know, at times like this. But he wouldn't, move, he wouldn't budge. He said, I just really blew it. And in the end, I got kind of said, I said, maybe you did. And he wasn't expecting me to give that answer. I said, yeah, I think you probably did. You blew it. Absolutely. So now what are we going to do? <laughs> You see, living in the past, looking at your past, there comes a moment where you can't live in if-onlys. There has to be, now what? If only I had known then what I know now. Well, you didn't. It's profound, isn't it? <laughs> if only I could turn the clock. You can't. <laughs> and it comes a point as a Christian whereby you need to do this. You need to put a line right under your past. You need to start moving forward. You need to stop living with regrets and if onlys. And you know why? Because it's a new day. And it's a new beginning. And the past is past. The old has gone. The new has come. Your sins, the things you blew, the things you messed up on have been eradicated if you've repented. And through the cross, the cross has the power to deal with the past. The Bible says, forget the former things. Behold, there's a new thing that God is doing. I'm not saying your past doesn't still affect you. I think some of us live with emotional scars and even physical scars years after we've come to Jesus. I totally get that we are a result of the things that happened in our past. This is what I'm trying to say. Those things may be true, but you can't afford to live there. And the reason you can't afford to live there is you've got a far better future than you have in your past. And there are people here today who've been Christians for years. You're still struggling with things that you need to put a line under and you need to walk forward. You are now in Christ. 
you are now a new creation. And the Apostle Paul does this. He says, I was this, I was that, I did this, I did that. And now I have concluded that it is about my future and not about my past. So that's the past. Paul's in prison. Let's go back there. He's still in prison. He's still thinking. And I just want to home in on the present. And then we're going to look at the future very quickly. And the present is just one verse. And I love this. It says this, verse 9 of Ephesians 3. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I love this phrase. I am now found in him and in his righteousness. See, Paul's circumstances are not very good. He's, he's just overwhelmed. Now, I'm just going to be very brief about this because I actually think James dealt with this all last week. He doesn't allow his present circumstances to shape him or his thinking. Paul is not sitting there feeling sorry for himself. Wishing he was somewhere else. I'm sure deep down inside he would rather not be in prison. But the reality is it doesn't overwhelm him. He's where God wants him to be. He concludes this. If you just look in Philippians chapter 1, come up behind me. He he just makes this comment to Philippians who are very concerned about Paul. Paul's in prison. He must be so downcast. He must be so sick. He must be so alone. He must be awful, terrible. What he says is in verse 12 of Philippians 1, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served the advance of the gospel. Weird. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the law by my imprisonment, are much more bold and to speak the word of God without fear. He is just seeing. He's in the will of God. The circumstances are not great. But all the imperial guard know that I'm here because of Jesus. And if you track church history, because this is about AD 62, 63, by AD 64, there was a massive revival that broke out all over Rome. And it was all because Paul was in the right place at the right time. And people started to tell people about Jesus. So he's not sitting there. I don't know what, you, I don't know what I'd be like in prison. I, don't, I reckon I'd be sitting feeling very sorry for myself. So he looks at the past, and that's not How come he's not feeling sorry for, his, for himself? We're about to see that the answer is this. He's not following his heart, as we heard last week. He's not just obeying the emotions, but he's adopting God's will and he's applying his truth. And this now is what the point of this whole word is now. Because what does he do? He starts to look at the future. And it's the future where he gets happiness and joy, even in prison, even as he looks back on his past and all the things that he's done. Verse 12 of Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained it or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Look at this, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that's an amazing statement for someone in difficult circumstances what really floods him with joy is his future this defines him not his past 
or present. How I think, how I live, the decisions that I make, how I handle everyday life comes from this phrase, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies in the future and grasping hold of the very possibility of all that God has said, a sure and certain future full of promises and amazing things and truth. If I can just live there and on a daily basis, Paul says, this is what I... And look at him. He says, oh God, forget all that. I'm pressing on. But you're in prison, Paul. You can't press. Yes, I can. I'm going to press on to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. I'm going to, I'm going to forget the past. I'm moving on. I believe God's got great things for me. And the reason I'm pressing this home is some of us are struggling with things like this in circumstances far, far better than Paul had. And it's possible for all believers to live flooded with joy because of our wonderful future. Now, I know some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but I haven't found a better one, so I'm going to use it again. Years ago, I was listening to this dear, great old man of God who 10 years ago went to be with the Lord. And while he was speaking, he just said, I, I, I just want to say to you all of it, it's like every human being on this planet walks around with an anchor. And he said, have you noticed, because anchors root you into things, right? And he said, have you noticed that the older people get, it's kind of like they throw their anchor into the past. And of course, if you're not a Christian, the reason you throw your anchor into the past is because it's all about the past and you don't know what your future holds. So you don't think much. In fact, you don't, this nation is about the worst in the world at this. We don't think about death, for example. Just don't. It's not going to It happens to someone else. It never happens to me. It's kind of like, it's almost like it doesn't happen. And so the older you get, the more nostalgic you get. Do you remember when? Do you remember when? You're, the only thing that's certain in your life anymore is your past. Because the future doesn't, you don't know. So people will throw their anchors over and it pulls them back into their past more and more. The Christian, said this dear old man, on the other hand, our anchor is already cast into our future. Jesus, our anchor, has already gone into heaven. And you may not like this news or not, but this anchor is pulling you always. It's a very good illustration, isn't it? Always into your future. Because your anchor, you should not put your roots down into a past, into a world that's temporary and fading and passing away. You have an anchor that's gone before you into eternity and you are being cast always in that direction. How do you get joy and happiness? By realising you have a more glorious future than you have as a past. And the more you live like that, the more wonderful it is. I remember him saying this guy, he says, where does, where does time travel? He said, time travels always into the future. And where is God? Well, he's been in the past, he's in the present, but he's absolutely in the future. Christians, let's, let's not put our anchor in our past, but let's realize our anchor is pulling us into the future. Three things, real quick, about the future. The first is this. Every day you live your life on this planet has the potential to be more wonderful than even today. Every day from now on. And I'm sure for many of us, part of our future will be disappointments, 
perplexities, hardships, experiencing the things that you've already experienced in the past and you're probably experiencing today, those things are still going to be there in the future. And maybe even in this life, the way things are going in our society, even persecution. But every day of your life is more glorious because of this one thing. Jesus said, I will come to you. I will not leave you. I will be with you. And that is why, as we heard quoted earlier today, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I can't guarantee, none of us can guarantee what tomorrow holds or the next day, but we can be assured by some things. And here's the greatest truth of all. Every day you'll face, you never have to face it on your own. And you have a God with you who has all power and all knowledge and everything to give you that will take you through every day of your life. Let me push that a little bit further. I actually think it's a wonderful adventure to think that every day of the rest of my life, I am walking hand in hand with a living God who has promised abundant life for me, who has also promised that he has a plan for my life, who has also said, I have all these promises you have not yet experienced. We're not talking about beyond the grave. We're talking about in this life. The Bible talks about when you become a Christian, there is an inheritance for you. There are things you inherit when you die, but there are things that are an inheritance for you now. The tragedy is this, Christians cannot lose their salvation, but they can often not enter into the inheritance that God's got for them, which is really, really sad. God has a wonderful inheritance for us in this life. The Bible says we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. I just get excited to think, where am I going to go who am I going to influence? What kind of person am I going to be? And some of you are looking at me and you're seeing I'm kind of old these days. And you're thinking, well, you haven't got much to look forward to. <laughs> I mean, why are you thinking about where you can go and who you can influence? Well, because that's the future. All the time I've got breath, I need to be keep thinking, today, tomorrow. I'm not living today. I'm not living the past. I'm living tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. What have you got for me tomorrow on this planet? You just need to know this. You may be sick today, but you might be healed tomorrow. You might be in depression today, but you might be liberated from that tomorrow. You might be full of anxiety today, but peace might be coming tomorrow. You might have been praying for something for ages. And the great thing about having a future on this planet is that that prayer is about to be answered and there's going to be a tremendous breakthrough. There is always a tomorrow on this planet. New every morning is the love of God. Have you noticed the principle in the Bible? When there's death, there's always resurrection. I just love it. I wrote this verse down. I can't believe it. We even sang this verse in our worship this morning. Psalm 30 and verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Wow, I like that. Weeping may tarry for the night, Joy comes with the morning. It's just wonderful, Christians, folks, to know that you can be shaped not by now or by your past, but just the fact that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And that's better. That's more wonderful. Whether you're 20 here today or whether you're 70, tomorrow is another day to have an adventure with God, to know him, to experience him, to see things that you haven't seen. The last few weeks, I've been in several settings. I was one this week with key national leaders from different denominations around. The, the whole conversation was about revival. It was just wonderful. 
And we're all, not dreaming, but all, because we know God can do this, all thinking today could be a better day. Tomorrow we could see revival. Tomorrow we could see churches flooded in this country with thousands coming to, I just, I'm going to hang around for a bit. Because I've never seen that in my life. I want to live there. I've seen lots of fantastic things and been blessed so much in, in the years this church existed. Wow, wow, wow. I just think there's some better wows around the corner. The second thing, so that's the first every day of the second thing is eternity. I've got to move real quick. I honestly think we are the only people, Christians, on this planet who can genuinely look forward to death and be totally joyful at the same time. Something inside you, because this anchor's pulling you, should be saying, I can't wait to die. Doesn't that sound weird? I mean, what source of joy is that? Death. I can't, well, death is joy for those of us. It's a bit sorrowful for those of us left behind, but it's not for... Don't you find funerals for Christians very strange? Everybody's still here, but the person you're celebrating is in a much better place. It's kind of like Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21. Well-known verse. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You and I should live in the future because one day we should live with this hope that we will die and we will gain. There will be no sickness. There will be no sorrow. There will be no death. There will be no loss. There will be no pain. There will be total perfection. There will be nothing you'll be perplexed about. You'll never be anxious. You'll never be fearful. You'll never be in a situation, I love this, where you're not, you know, right now we don't know everything and then you will know everything. There will be no warfare, no loneliness. It will not be boring. There'll be no waste. You just gain when you die. You get a new home. You get a new body. It's just great. And here's the most important thing. You're with the Lord. You're with Jesus forever. Right now on this earth, we just get little glimpses. Then you'll see him face to face for eternity. You'll be home at last. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4 says, For while we are still in this tent, this body, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed but that we won't be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life and I know you've heard me use this illustration again but I have to use it again I am I am not approaching death I'm approaching life I am walking towards something my body's getting older it's kind of you know the outer man is wasting away and simply because there's this enormous wave that's about to come and swallow me up and it's called life that you might be swallowed up. This is not life, this is cardboard. This is temporal, what you're living in. This is why we die. Because we have life that one day is going to swallow us up and overtake us. Do you know there's a little description of what heaven is like? It's this, the fullness of joy. At his right hand, there will be pleasures evermore. You say to me, David, how can I know joy? You are going to know joy like you've never known before. To live in the reality of that is totally going to transform your whole life. Margaret Ray's 2018 is so much better than her 2017. You just need to understand. I'm jealous. You just need to understand that is the reality. 
Why do Christians talk about having a bucket list? I mean, what's the point? I have a bucket list. There are 10 things I must do before I die. Well, die and have a new body, and you can do all of them. You haven't got to have a bucket You're going to do them all in heaven. Okay, I didn't get to sail like some people have around the deep seas towards Australia from South Africa in 40-foot waves. But I'll do it in heaven with a new body. It'll be absolutely fine. Darren can help me. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) Here's the reality. You might have something on your bucket list. I must do that before I die. Think differently. It's a lot more expensive here as well. (laughs) The final thing is this. The future is full of joy Not only because every day of your life, God is in it and plans something for you, an adventure, and because even to die is gain. But it's also wonderful because this, Jesus is coming back. We don't talk much about that. Jesus has promised to return. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. The early church lived with this eager anticipation. The wonderful thing is Jesus is coming back. Wherever you are in the world today, if you're a Christian and you're persecuted, you think a lot about Jesus coming back. Why do slaves under slavery in Africa, as hundreds of years ago, write constantly about the return of Jesus? It's because this world is not the real world, but Jesus is coming. And I want to assure you today that This temporal world is going to be changed into an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus will return and we will be filled with joy. Can we stand to our feet? There may be... um, Let's close our eyes just for a moment. There may be some folk here who are not yet Christians and you've been listening to all of this just as while we're praying together I just want to say lovingly to you if you are not yet a Christian that you face a life with your past always catching up with you the reason I say that is because You only get to change your past when you change. And we can't change ourselves. Only Jesus can change us. And I guess it's an invitation. If you have a past that you want to not be dominated by, and you're still not a Christian, my appeal to you is come to know Jesus. And you will know your past dealt with. And maybe as a person who's not a Christian, you're you're overwhelmed by present circumstances. And you know you are. You're here today, you know you are. And you're thinking, if only my circumstances can change. There are people around you who have come to know a Jesus who can change them. And, and I have to say this also, if you're not a Christian, your future is very uncertain. You just don't know what's going to happen. Whereas if you're a Christian, you have this assurance within. Father, I want to pray today that you will come and meet us where we are. Lord, I thank you for that reminder last week that as I live by the word of God, I'm flooded with joy. I pray that this week people also will realize it's not the past, it's not the present, it's the future. And if I live today in the 
the wonder and the joy of this glorious restraining towards what lies ahead. I want to say this, folks, as we pray, as we close in a moment. There are some of you here that need to put a line under your past. If only and regret. Even nostalgia and looking back to the good old days. Some of us need to put a line under that. It's today that's important. Shaped by our tomorrow. Will you do that today? Will you not walk out of this room until you've said, right, by faith, I'm, I'm putting an end to that. I'm too nostalgic. I'm full of regrets. I keep looking back. My, my past defines me. It's so wrong that that happens. Maybe some of you here today who need to find joy in your present circumstances, even if they don't change. This series is about helping you to do that. And then I think there's some of you here today that need to embrace that your future can totally shape you. Lord, I pray that you will do this in the name of Jesus. Amen.